Every stride is taken in faith. Every step compelled by your grace. We're taking up our cross, no matter what the cost. We give it all to go your way. We're never gonna stop. We're never gonna stop. We are running, chasing after all that you are. We are running, cause all that you are is all that we want. We're running, chasing after all that you are. We are running, cause all that you are is all that Jesus, that we can come here tonight, we can worship you, and we just ask, Father God, that you bless us as we come through these doors tonight and um, speak to us. Um, Kyle's going to share a message tonight from the young adults, and I just ask that you bless him and you um, fill him with peace as he shares uh, his testimony and his first time ever a message as well, Lord. It's so exciting. So we just bring him before you and we bring the rest of this night to you as well, Lord. Just ask that you bless it and that we can leave this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. With this heart open wide from the depths, from the highs, I will bring a sacrifice. With these hands lifted high, hear my song, hear my cry, I will bring a sacrifice. Bring a sad. 
Gemma to come up and she's going to share announcements with us. Boy, working up a sweat. All right, just a few announcements tonight. Um, first of all, this Saturday, all the men in the house, if you haven't, oh yeah, let's get an oh yeah, all the men in the house. Oh yeah. Um, if you haven't got your tickets yet for the Rough Cut uh, Men's Conference, that's happening this Saturday from 9 till 4 p.m. Uh, it's not too late. 25 bucks, uh, that includes morning, afternoon tea and lunch. Okay, happening this Saturday for men, this is the place to be, okay? Um, then following that on Sunday, the speaker at the men's conference, David Dusek, Dusek, I don't know, um, is speaking here, okay? So if you're not coming to the Rough Cut uh, men's conference, ladies, Sunday, church, 10 a.m., Beck Drive. Okay, also that Sunday, we have six adherents being accepted. Okay, woo, six, that is awesome. That is awesome. Um, and last one, for the youth. Um, Zion Youth is back this Friday night. I believe it is a connect night. Um, $2 starting from six till 9 p.m. Okay, woo, so all the youth, Friday night, that's tomorrow night, uh, six o'clock here at church. Um, I also hope everyone has a newsletter um, on your way in. Uh, this is our way to communicate what is happening throughout our church. Okay, so if you didn't grab one, make sure you grab one on your way out. All right. Um, what we're going to do now is it is time for some sharing. Okay, so if you feel the need, okay, or if God's speaking to you about something that's happening 
into your life over the past week. Um, what I'm looking for is a show of hands in the air. I'm going to take about five people. Um, if you have something to share, just place your head in the air and I'll bring the mic towards you. No one? Oh, you bingo. <laughs> Got to go at the front. Okay. Hey, that's very polite. Yeah, well, I've got something to share. A lot of you know Shaky Pete. And uh, about four weeks ago, he rang me up and he said, I've got cancer, I've got lung cancer. By the way, he hasn't stopped smoking, but he's got lung cancer. And it's gone all through his bones and everything. And the last two weeks, the, de the deterioration is unbelievable. From a big man, and you all know how big he was, he's, he's, uh, I said to Sue, my wife, I had an uncle that died of it. And he was skin and bones in the end. You could have picked him up with two fingers. And, uh, but what's good about it is probably the last time Pete was... No, not the last time. One of the last times Pete went back into the world to experiment or not to experiment, to go back to what he used to do. He said to me, he said, I want to die sober. And Pete's been sober now for probably about almost three months. And in the condition he's in, he can't get out. So God has got on of that. He's got to die sober. And it's been very important to him. There's been a number of times I've known him for probably 10 or 12 years now. And this man, if you know him, he should have been dead many, many times. He's still here. But probably about three busts ago, I'll say busts, the good thing I like about Pete, he, there was never any falseness in him. If he wanted to drink, he'd tell you to get out of his life and he'd go back to it. He didn't hide it. He'd tell you straight. And uh, to me, that means a lot. We get a lot of blokes that sneak around behind you and say they're not drinking and they are. This man, even though he drank many, many times, he was a man of his word. And uh, we started talking about God and he was so fearful of God. And uh, we did the third step probably now, I don't know, five, six months ago. But he rang me. He rang me on Tuesday and he said, I need you to come over. I go over once a week anyway at least. He said, I need to talk to you. And yesterday when I went over and saw him, the dramatic change in him was unbelievable. But he said, I've got to make peace with God because he'd never made peace with God. And I was able to lead him in the sinner's prayer. And he asked for forgiveness. He asked the Lord to take control of his life whatever time he's got. And by the time I left him, I was able to share some scripture with him to say that, um, that when he goes, God has already created a place for him in heaven because I know that that's where he's going because of the prayer he said yesterday because he was totally honest yesterday and uh, the freedom that he had after that prayer was just, the expression on his face just changed. It was dramatic. It just changed. In an instant, when he asked God to forgive his sins, he changed dramatically. But there's one thing I want you to pray about because years ago, I couldn't find him for two years and I thought he was dead because he used to hide in the long grass. 
And I walked in one day and he was at the rehab and it was one of those times when he came back to the rehab before he wasn't allowed to come back anymore. And that's a good thing, I think, because sometimes we've got to say no. But he went to Ozcare. But I said to him, I said, what are you doing here? And he said, what do you mean? I said, you should be dead. And that was probably three, four years ago. And he should have been dead a long time ago. I don't want you to pray for a miracle because I don't believe it's going to happen. And that's me. But God can, he can go against me if he wants to. And it'd be good if he did. But what I want you to pray for, because there was a thing I promised him years ago when he was still drinking and carrying on. He's one of those blokes that gets under your skin. Some people do. And he's one of the blokes that has got under my skin. And I promised him years ago that I'd say something nice about him at his funeral. So the last thing I said to him yesterday was because I'm going away for a month, I said, do not die until I get back. So I want you to pray that Pete gets probably four or five weeks ago now he was given three months to live. The deterioration that I've seen in him in the last fortnight, it will be a miracle if he's alive in four weeks' time. But he's the sort of bloke I want to honour what I said to him that day because I want to say something nice about him because he's a good bloke. So if you're praying for Shaky Pete and the ones that know him and the ones that don't know him, he's a great bloke. Pray that he stays around long enough that I can get back because it's important to me and I believe it's important to him. Another thing that's been fantastic, sorry if I'm taking up too much time, is family. His family wiped him off because of his, because of his alcoholism many, many years ago. The first two people that came up four weeks ago when he was still in Ozcare was his brother that he hadn't spoken to for many, many years and his sister. I went there last week and his sister from Toowoomba was there with her husband. I didn't go Monday and Tuesday because his other sister from Brisbane and the sister from Melbourne was there for him to take him back to the hospital. Family has come back around him. You know, even though it's late in his life, family has come back around him. And to me that's fantastic because that's a man that because of his disease, walked away from him because he couldn't forgive himself for the things that he'd done. So think about him and ask the Lord for a miracle for sure. But if he's going to die, ask him to keep him around for about another five or six weeks. Thank you. Anyone else need four more? Yes, Cameron, down the back, of course. Hey, I'm liking that mo. I just uh, thinking back to one of the other churches I used to go to years ago, and they'd always say, "Is there anyone who wants to share?" And everyone would just avoid me because I'd be down the back going, "Yeah, me, me, I want to share." It's good. It's good to think about. So, am I too loud? Sorry, bro. I'm too. <laughs> it's good to think about. You know, throughout your week. Um, the encounters and the experiences you have, like just like Lloyd had, of something to share so we can encourage and, and tell people about good things that are happening in our life. And I was thinking it's good to want to, every time sharing comes up, you should have that little thing jumping inside you and saying, oh, I want to tell people about this. I want to tell people what God's 
doing in my life or I want to tell people how God's been good to me in this area, in this aspect. So it's good to share. It's good to want to share. And it got me thinking, every time I come back, I tell you all these army stories, but I've got another one for you, so brace yourselves. And um, I was, we're sitting there and we've, we've dug our pits and we sat there in this trench in this valley for like two weeks and we're sitting there and we're waiting for the um, enemy, which is 7th Brigade, the guys down in Darwin, which are training to be the next guys to deploy, to attack us. And we're sitting there and um, I'm sitting in the pit and the, the company sergeant major, the CSM, so the biggest, angriest, scariest dude, in our unit was walking around and um, he just come up to the gun pit and we started having a chat and we're saying how we're staying there until the enemy or the actual good guys until they attacked us in this pit he said we're going to stay there we're not moving anywhere and he jokingly said we're in the valley of death and in reply I said a bible verse and I said I will fear no evil and then he's turned around and in reply to that he's gone yes Psalm 23 does apply here doesn't it and this is a man that I've known for over four years that usually screams at everyone. Everyone calls sir and stands at attention whenever they talk to him. He's a very strong man. And, uh, and he turned around and dropped this, this, this verse on me. And he's, he's quoted a verse. And I thought, wow, he's someone that I've known for the last four years at my last unit and then again at this unit who I've only ever really seen the angry mean side of. And he's turned around and, and dropped this verse. Well, about a week after that, he's come up to me and, and found me at the end of the convoy as we're coming home, parked up in Serena. And we got talking. And then he told me that there is a prayer that he always says. He's got one prayer and he said the serenity prayer. And I thought, how awesome is that, that my sergeant major at work, after knowing him for four years, thinking he's a real angry man and you know, he's told me a million times he's not religious, and, you know, he's, he doesn't consider himself any religion. But here he is. He knows, he knows Psalm 23 out of the Bible, God our protector, and uh, what it means to be in the valley of death. He's a man that's been deployed. He's been to war. And he knows the serenity prayer. And he said, he said that he prays, God, give me the, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I'm sure people do, but God, give me the strength to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference and I just for me I thought that was awesome that I've worked for this man for nearly four years now at different units and then he's just decided to share that with me now just at nearly at the end of our working relationship together so stay wherever you are just just maintain that faith keep being who God wants you to be be who God's called you to be and just keep pressing on because sometimes people won't share with you that they have a faith but they're watching you, and they're watching you to see how you act, see how you behave. And then maybe, just maybe, when you think there's no hope, they'll, they'll just share. They'll share something. They'll share that they have a faith, that they have a belief. And I just, for me, that was awesome. It was like a gift. So I wanted to encourage you guys, if you work in a workplace full of angry, mean people, just keep hanging on, because they might be going home, and they might be watching your actions, but they might be praying to the same God that you pray to, outwardly but they just pray inwardly in the quietness and privacy of their own home so for me that was a good experience this is a csm a sergeant major he's a very angry man so i've got faith that yes it will work for your life. all right cool one more oh we've got two more 
We'll go Paul first, and then we'll finish out the front. Um, have you ever had one of those moments where you're having a dream, and it's actually coming true? It's actually really happening. Uh, it actually happened to me on Tuesday morning. I was waking up, and I could hear Backstreet Boys song in the back of my head. Found out it was my alarm clock going off. All right, lucky last down the front. Yeah, hi to you, to you guys that don't know me. My name's uh, John. I arrived at the rehabilitation centre in, uh, oh, when would that have been? That would have been October 2014. Um, during that time, uh, one of my caseworkers, who's here tonight, um, and the other one he's not, but, uh, but I did have two while I was there, and they helped me through a bad time where I was a dead set alcoholic when uh, when I first arrived. Um, I went through rehab. I left there in November. Sorry, I left there in June 2015. And oh no, that's wrong. Must have arrived in 2013. Yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> 2013, I arrived in October. And then on uh, in June, the 19th of June, I left uh, rehab, graduated, uh, and moved to an apartment here in Cain, uh, Townsville, and haven't had a drink since. Um, but uh, I'm now entering a stage where I'm going into the next chapter of my life, and that is... Um, I'm actually leaving Townsville next Friday um, to take up the position of manager caretaker at a um, at the Kingroy Lodge, uh, and that's a lodge that houses homeless men. Um, and there be you'd be surprised how many of those are are around. There is also you know, homeless women. I understand that. But this one here is strictly for men only. So uh, I just wanted to share that with you. Like, uh, like I said, I had uh, my ups and downs when I was in rehab. Uh, like I said, one, one of my caseworkers was here. He's here now tonight. Um, and he helped me in the early part of it. And uh, then uh, I graduated. Uh, don't believe Major David when he tells you that the gold coin that he gives you at graduation is good at Woolworths. I tried it once, it didn't work. <laughs> okay, thank you. Where are we? Praise God. Hey, all right, now I'm going to hand over to Peter, who I believe is doing uh, group movements. Good evening, everyone. My name's Peter, I work at TRS. Uh, tonight we have some group movements for the guys. So I invite John Foden to come up. John has reached level one of the recovery program, which is arguably the hardest part of the program. No worries, John. He's come a long way. I was like you to stay until the end if that's all right. Yeah. Uh, the next person is Troy Salloway. Could he come to up? <laughs> Troy has reached level two. You're halfway through, almost there. 
And the last person is Kane. Kane has made it to level three, which is almost the end, but not quite. Now, recovery isn't easy. Making a change in your life is very difficult. But you can't give up because it's not easy. You've got to fight all the way, every day. So I'd just like everyone to give a hand to these guys for their Good work, guys. All right, and now we have the offering. If we can invite the band to the stage, we'll get that started.
All right, so most of you know me, I'm Kyle. Um, I want to... <laughs> uh, I want to tell you a bit about my journey and how I got to where I am today. Um, so my mother pretty much abandoned me in the early months of my childhood and um, I don't know my father. I was raised by a beautiful woman who I call my grandma. Um, she adopted my, my mother and her twin sister and raised me. I guess one could say that I become a spoiled little brat who was given everything throughout my childhood and adolescence. I attended a Catholic school after being expelled from public schools. I started drinking at the age of 14, which led into the company of like-minded people. Uh, I entered the Air Force cadets from 14 to 17 due to restrictions I partied all over the weekend. Um, I was asked to leave cadets due to inappropriate behaviour. Uh, I then moved to Townsville and started a school-based apprenticeship and finished grade 11 and 12. I applied for the Air Force, was accepted, except for I did not show up to actually enlist. Free will became more important to me. I acted out from hurt and pain and avoided my heart and life from my childhood. I always wondered what I'd done to be rejected and abandoned by my mother and father. I entered the life of drugs and crime. However, my grandma was always there to bail me out. I, showed appreci I, I never showed appreciation for what she did to me. I came to expect that she'd always rescue me. I was experiencing an internal battle that was driving me insane. From 18 years old, I'd become a seasonal user and a full-time drinker. My addiction took over me. I didn't care about people, places or things. All I wanted was my drugs and I did not care about the consequences. I was chasing the tolerance level and the ultimate high. However, my addiction had better ideas for me. My grandma found me on, on my lounge room floor in, a, in the granny flat where I lived. I was unable to move. She called, called an ambulance for me. I spent the night at the hospital. Uh, my grandma rung TRS on the Monday. They accepted me on the Wednesday. I entered TRS at about 3.30 on the 15th. It was supposed to be in the morning. However, I got arrested that morning. My addiction left me in an absolute state of powerless. Jails, deaths and institutions was all I had left. Many people entered my world, like-minded. Although I knew God was my saviour, I resisted him for many months. I never sat still in our community of faith. I constantly and consistently was disruptive in services and at TRS. I was in recovery doing my program. However, I resisted handing over my life and will to the care of a power greater than myself. During rehab, I busted on alcohol as I thought I could still drink. However, my head immediately went to using. I realised I was in trouble again. I confessed my actions immediately and thought I would be rejected by the rehab, which would have probably returned me into full-blown addiction again. The results of my confession and relapse showed me the grace of God through an unconditional love of the Salvation Army and in particular Major David, at which I am eternally grateful for. I fully embraced God as my higher power and graduated from rehab after completing six months of the program. I put work and accommodation in place when I left. Um, however, I soon realised that God was, had a different decision for me. I feel that God's called me to remain in Townsville. Uh, however, lately things have changed. I found other accommodation with past associates when leaving rehab. I lasted four days before having a drink. I merely returned to town and spoke with my caseworker from TRS. I stayed with a friend for a few days and was offered a safe environment. I began a new journey as half measures availed me and nothing 
but a relapse. I begin seeking God's will and plan for my life. I would embrace the full spiritual process of the recovery. I began attending Men of Honour and started doing life with other addicts, also saved by grace. I've come to realise that the will of God will not take me where the grace of God won't protect me or sustain me. I sur- this, this surrender led me into acts of service with our community of faith. I've now reached the point of honesty, open-mindedness and willingness, which are the cornerstones of the Bridge Program. God has opened many doors for me lately to do work and share my personal experiences with our upcoming generation of young people as a youth leader. I also attend weekly Bible studies. I've been asked to help assist with drug and alcohol programs in Cleveland Detention Centre and during equip, God has placed it on my heart to attend the Salvation Army Discipleship School in 2016. I want to read the following scripture from Ephesians 2 verses 8 to 10. For it is the grace, is, it is by the grace that I have been saved through faith and this is not from myself, it is the gift of God. Not by works so that I cannot boast for I am God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works with good, which God prepared in advance for me to do. Therefore, faith without works is dead. Another scripture from Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me, according to the riches and his glory, to be strengthened with might through his scripture in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart through faith that I am being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that I may be filled with all fullness of God now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think according to the power that works in me. Uh, The way that I look at that that verse is once I fully accept Christ as my my Lord Saviour, I will receive and know unconditionally his limitless peace, power, love and holiness in my life. I have personally received God's limitlessness through admitting that I am powerless over my addiction, that my life is unmanageable and that I, need a gra- that I am in need of a great power, greater power to restore me to sanity. And to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that my only success will be through handing my will in my life over to the all-knowing, all understanding and all powerful God, totally rooted and grounded in his unconditional love that will suppress all knowledge. That's my testimony. Thanks, everyone. I'm now going to bring a message to you that um, sort of follows on from the, the theme of equip that we went to about God's limitless powers. Um, so tonight my message is God forgives man through faith. Faith triumphs trouble. Faith brings joy. Um, this verse is from the life, life Application Bible, which is Romans chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. Therefore, since we have been made right, in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what our Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look to forward to sharing God's glory. We can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for that we know that 
they are good for us. They, they help us learn to endure and endurance develops strength and character in us and character strengthens our confident expectations of salvation. Uh, ver verse 5, is, and this expectation will not disappoint us for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Verse 6, when, when we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for our, for us sinners. These scriptures exp express a God who is limitless through peace, expectation, and our utter helplessness. Uh, my first point that I want to point out about that is peace. We now have peace with God, which means that we have been reconciled with him. The father that loved us so much that he sent his only son to the bridge to bridge the gap between us. The Father and the Son send the Holy Spirit to fill our life with love and to enable us to live by his power. With all, all God's loving care, how can we do less than serve him completely? We were weak and helpless because we could not do nothing on our own to save ourselves. Someone had to come and rescue us. Christ came at exactly the right time in history according to God's own schedule. God, God controls all history and he can controlled all timing. No, that's right. <laughs> Page out, sorry. <laughs> um, so scrap that first bit. <laughs> there is more honestly hostility between us. No sin blocking our relationship with God, peace with God is possible only because Jesus paid the price for our sins through his death on the cross. Peace and joy, hope and love is what we gain when in surrendering our will and our life to God. There, uh, the second one is expectations. There is two sided reality of limitless and expectations in God. One, we are complete in Christ. Two, we are growing in Christ. At, at one in the same time, we have the status of the kings and the duty of slaves. We feel that both presence in Christ and the pressure of sin. We, we enjoy the peace that comes from being made right with God, but we still face daily problems that often help us grow. If we remember these two sides of the Christian life, we will not grow discouraged as we face the temptations and problems. In instead, we will learn to de depend on the power available to us from Christ who lives in us by the Holy Spirit. The problem that we run into will develop our perseverance, which turns, into turns will strengthen, that which in turn will strengthen our character, deepen our trust in God and give us greater confidence about the future. The third point is utter, utterly helpless. All three members of the Trinity are involved in salvation. The Father that loved us so much that he sent his only Son to bridge the gap between us. The Father and the Son who sent the Holy Spirit to fill our life with the love to enable us to live by his power. With all God's loving care, how, how can we do less than serve him completely? We were weak and helpless because we could not do nothing on our own to save ourselves. Someone had to come and rescue us. Christ came at exactly the right time in history according to God's own schedule. And God controls all history and controlled the timing, method and events surrounding Jesus' death. Um, so in, in, in conclusion to this, 
this is what I've learned, that I must understand my weakness to experience God's limitless strength, expectations, peace, power, love and holiness. My recognition of, the, of my state of utter weakness, dependence on God to accomplish his will in my life is met with the faith in God alone. Faith in anything else will prevent me from accessing God's limitless power. Recognising my weakness is essential to living out the Christian life because the life I am called to is humanly impossible to accomplish. Um, does the band want to come up for the response? And we finished. Therefore, genuine Christianity is the call to be like Christ. God desires his representatives to think like him and act like him. And in Romans 8, verses 1 and 2, so, there, so now there is no condemnation for those who, who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of life-giving spirit has freed us through Jesus Christ from the power of sin that leads to death. Therefore, Jesus continues to call these people into new lives and reflect his character. And with God's help and, and our willingness to submit to his will, God can produce this type of character, which is the example of love and forgiveness. Thanks. Um, we're just going to leave this time open now for anybody that might want to come down the front um, pray, whether it's accepting Jesus for the first time or it's coming to him again and asking him to renew um, your heart all over again. We're just going to leave it open. I'm just going to play a, a song for you guys on the flute. Thank you.
Join with me, let's see.
sing the chorus. You're the reason I sing. You're the quite like a story of transformation is there and uh, you know Kyle thank you for you know I think that takes a lot of courage doesn't it to step up and to uh, to share your story and uh, we want to thank you I think in that story of, uh, of transformation uh, Kyle's reminded um, each one of us here that you know it's um, you're never too far away from God it only takes one step to come back can never think you've, you've been too bad for God not to forgive you. And uh, I can quite clearly remember the first couple of weeks that Kyle was with us and he was a rat bag. And I can actually picture him in the third row here and he'd spend most of the TNC looking to the person in the row next behind him. And I can remember having a conversation with him, Kyle, just, you know, I know you probably don't want to be here, but try and give it a bit more attention <laughs> and uh, so it's delightful and you know Kyle's is uh, you know open to to mistakes and uh, days of despair probably as any of us are whether we've been 25 years a Christian or or 50 years a Christian or a day you know we're all open to the same frailties and um, you know Kyle's word to us tonight though is that transformation when it comes does bring peace and peace in our heart that the world can't rob us of and uh, so we rejoice with Kyle but we want to rejoice with one another as we each take the journey and uh, I want to acknowledge Kyle's family here today I reckon there's nothing like the prayers of a grandmother <laughs> and I know that Kyle's grandma has has prayed for him and believed for him. I actually want us to sing that that chorus again, Rachel. Is that all right? And and uh, the flute or Steve, whoever. But I want us to stand. Nothing like the prayer of a grandmother. I hope that was good for you tonight, my friend. Margaret, isn't it? Margaret, good for you to hear it tonight. I want us to sing this song. I know you probably that you've only just heard it tonight, but um, and people have knelt, and probably some of you in your in your seats have. Just said, God, look, I want that same transformation in my life. I want God to do something new and fresh and real in my heart tonight. And um, I don't know where the, the song logically starts, so I'm not a bit of a muso here. So if you could just pick up where is a good spot to pick up. And let's lift our voices as we sing these simple words together. I come in simplicity, longing for purity. Longing for purity to 
devoted forever or the cause? You're the reason. You're the reason I sing. Come on, lift it up. The reason I sing. Yes, my heart will sing how I love you. You're the reason again. How I love you. God, you are our first love, our first love. And when you are our first love, that brings transformation, that brings hope, that brings peace, that brings purpose, that brings an absence of anxiety and a presence of hope that is tangible, that can be felt in our life. And Lord, my prayer is for today, for each one of us here tonight, that we can experience you, that we can know that peace, that we can know that work of grace that you've done in Kyle's life and that you're going to keep doing that in many people's lives here tonight. We thank you that the legacy of William Booth that uh, really indicates to the world that there is hope for all people is alive and well in our midst. And we thank you that you are working in our lives we thank you for the evidence that we see around us that you're at work. We thank you for our, these young adults who've led us tonight. We thank you for their heart after you. And we thank you that in the midst of all the stuff that, that they have to face as young people in our community, all the, all the distractions, all the, the things that people say and the distractions of the world are so real. And we want to thank you that these young adults are standing up and saying, you know, we believe in you, God. We pray that as they continue to surrender their lives to you, that you're going to continue to equip them to be all that they've meant, they're meant to be. And that they're going to go from strength to strength as individuals, as a group of people. We pray that they might grow in numbers and grow in spirit and that they will continue to speak into our lives and that we will continue to speak into theirs and encourage them and stand beside them. 
hearts and cheer them on. And we pray that your blessing will be with every family, every child, every individual. We pray that your blessing would be on Townsville Recovery Services, that they might know the blessing of the Almighty God that changes lives. And in our hearts tonight, we say, give us your peace. Give us your peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Very good. Well, lovely to be here. And, uh, of course, we'll, we'll finish with our, our anthem that we always finish with. And um, then we will share in supper. And I hope that as the, everyone's coming up to the platform, I just need to remind you, if, you, if you've read the newsletter, uh, you will have read that we've made a decision that as from the first TNC in August, we won't have supper. We'll only have a cuppa, okay? So we're not having supper as in food. We're just going to have tea or coffee after church on a Thursday night. So you've got this week and next week for supper. And then after that, it'll just be heading out for a cup of tea. But come up and share in, try a little kindness. I think Carl should come up with his grandma. Carl, where are you? Oh, Carl, you better grab your grandmother or, and your family. So let's lift our voices as we sing our anthem. Let's try a little kindness. And it's good to see Keely back. Woo! Keely's back in town. <laughs> okay, ready? Ready?